up with this list. Some of the whatever face podcast. Oh, but you at least got to get the name right. Is that not it? Whatever face is it? Is it that what it's called? No, that's what they said it was okay, called. Okay, whatever okay. face podcast. I thought you were just oh. missing it. I'm like. Mm-hmm. Richard Williams face. My good friend Patrick Shaper. Welcome to whatever face podcast. It's hilarious. But yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. you have never been up here as a solo guest, but have not. This is your first time here, and I feel mm-hmm. like it's not going to be the last. Um, right quick, how are you? How are you doing? How's your mental health? It's uh, a great question. Uh, I I'm okay. Um, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm 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 managing some things in my life. A lot of moving pieces but i'm good i'm 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 good better so yeah it's a long answer yes no i'm I'm good (laughs) because i was getting ready to i was getting ready to go into uh i don't want it to be a heavy thing but i was gonna say one time someone told me be careful when you ask that question because you never know what the response is gonna be sure right Right. No, no, no. And I appreciate you asking and then taking time to like hear the response <laughs> to the hear the response. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, no. I've I've had a it's been a rough, uh rough two or three weeks, uh, only because, you know, I'm just getting back to DC and trying to settle and catch up and then deal with black people and all the like. But you know what? Um I'm in a better space now than I was three weeks ago. So I'll take it. I'll take that as well. Um, yeah. All right. So here's what we're going to do. Um, Patrick, I'm giving away the secret sauce to all of my shows. Mm-hmm. But here it is. Uh, I typically don't tell people what we're going to talk about until the showtime. And <laughs> um, this conversation is going to be very lighthearted. And if you can kind of let me put you in a director's chair or actor's chair as I direct this thing. I'm going to Tarantino this and take it from the ending to the beginning. But mm-hmm. before we do that, I'm going to open up with an icebreaker, a couple icebreakers just so we can relax, have our, uh, our, our favorite candies or whatever uh, we need. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my first question, what is your favorite album of all time? Gosh, that's so such a thing. Um, that's a that's a great question. Uh, at this moment, um, I'll say Purple Rain. Purple Rain. Purple Rain. Second question: I want you to answer uh, without thinking about it. Prince of Michael Jackson and tell me why your answer is Michael Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, since you answered that for me, we could go go with Michael. Uh, um, I think we sleep on Michael vocally. Um, 
but I'm I'm like one of those nerds who you know goes on YouTube and find old demos of songs, and there's a couple of engineers who like pick apart, you know, the tracks, you know, and kind of strip it down there or you know, Motown released, you know, um, a version of Michael's records that's acapella. And to hear this pristine voice, to hear this kid who has such vocal prowess and understood melody and timing and phrasing and placing, um, he was a prodigy. And I think as he got older, and when I'm going to stop there, because as a young adult, and I'm talking about off the wall thriller, Michael, I don't think vocally you would be hard pressed to find better vocal albums, just vocal performances um, than, than him. And so, yeah, I, it's just a beautiful, beautiful voice. And uh, we don't give him credit for his songwriting. Uh, as much as we do Prince, right? Um, but he wrote he wrote some wonderful things. And so, uh, yeah, that's why it's Michael because you said it was Michael. <laughs> <laughs> no, but to your point, you shared something with me uh, some, uh, some time back and it was the stripped down version of Thriller. Mm-hmm. And hearing him stack the vocals and like putting it together to get what we know is a finished product. Right, right. That's probably one of the things that I go back and listen to often because it's like, geez, man, before like Genius. computers and all the techie people were like adding different effects to your voice. This guy literally went through and harmonized the entire thing or, uh, you hear like his voice being used as an instrument. I remember when he said to Oprah, like, oh, um, if, if I don't feel the music, like I can't like get into it. Mm-hmm. And that thriller piece with him just vocally, like, I don't want to say going crazy because it wasn't the best singing performance, but just the stripped down version of what we know as Thriller and how it got to Thriller, like just acapella is pretty dope. But um, I know you have an affinity for Prince. That's the only reason why. I, I, no, I'm no, no, it's fine. I could go. Yeah, no, no. I could, I could go <laughs> Michael all day. Like I, I was listening to Michael before I was listening to Prince. So I'm, I, I've spent more time with Michael. But I think you're, you're, you're right. Michael, all he brought into the studio was this voice, right? And to hear him work it out, those harmonies and the background vocals, and then the lay you know, those, his lead vocals on that, that is it. That's, that's something that is just, just amazing to me. So I go back and I listen to him too. Like and his ad libs on Thriller, like he's, he's something else, man. He was something else. Yeah. He was something it, else. It was, it was a little ridiculous. Um, leads me to my next icebreaker question. When's the last time you cried at something you saw on social media? Like, no one's in a room with you. You're just bawling out crying because of social media. Or, or- I haven't, I haven't bawled out crying over social anything on on social media. <laughs> like, so that's not, 
Like, I don't have an answer for that. I will tell you something that made me well up, though. And I think I shared it in our, in our group text. There was this um, um, program where you can make a song for your loved one. And there was some woman who made this song. They paid somebody, whatever service, to make this song for her husband. And so he's listening to it for the first time. He's realizing, oh, it's their story. And what how she is expressing love and appreciation and affirmation to him and he started crying and i welled up i was like i but that is what we want out of love right we want that kind of love that moves us that way and right. i think when we see it especially on social media and everything that that you know we all the foolishness that gets passed around when we see that kind of genuine expression um, that is not motivated by what someone else has to give. Like I'm doing this for you because I love you and I want you to know, I think that's, that's precious. So my same instance where I welled up watching this thing was this reel on uh, Instagram Mm -hmm. and this lady's in the airport with her husband and two kids and she's telling him, well, she's basically having a conversation with the family. Hey, you guys know I'll do anything for you. You know I love you. But And while she's saying that, the caption goes, uh, we had to move away from our family. And it's been mm. kind of hard on mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And she's uh, like saying, so I did the only thing I knew how. I know the only thing I knew to do. And that was call his mom. Because he hadn't seen his mom in a long time. And mm-hmm. she's telling the she's telling the family, you know, I do anything for you, and whatever you need, you know, I always got you guys. And she's talking to the kids, but now she's mm-hmm. like directing the conversation at the husband, and she's mm-hmm. saying, I want you to know how much I love you, and I got your back. And who's that over there? And he looks, and he just starts breaking down. And then yeah, she tells I saw the kids, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost, almost messed me got, up. Yeah, no, 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 I got <laughs> No, that was beautiful. That was absolutely beautiful. It absolutely was. It, it absolutely was. So I, I get it. You're not alone. You're not alone with that. But yeah, that was one of the, the, the things. These little uh, reveals or people come home and they surprise people. I don't know how I get caught up in the rabbit hole of watching. I know, but, right? I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. But you you um kind of address something that's going to take us into my Tarantino debut. I want to talk about the Love Again podcast, but that's the ending. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. I said, we're working from the ending going mm-hmm. back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. So your Love Again podcast, mm-hmm. please explain to me how it came to be. Um, I've watched several episodes and love what you're doing. But I always had the question about the name and the birth of Love Again. So, sir, explain mm-hmm. to me Love Again, how it got started, that whole shebang. Well, Love Again is the title of uh, the book I wrote. Um, it was called Love Again, a Spiritual Memoir. And it's it's about 10 years, 10 years, 10, 11 years old um, this year. And um, when I when I wrote it, of course, 
social media wasn't a thing, podcasts weren't a thing. And um, I always felt like I left a little on the table with it. Like I wasn't, I wasn't wholly finished having the conversations that I wanted to have publicly about love. I wrote it because I had been divorced. And, you know, by being a Christian that carries with it a certain weight and a certain stigma. Mm-hmm. And I kind of resented the fact that people don't humanize black men or men in general and our, and our grief over the loss of our relationships or the loss of love. And so mm-hmm. when, after my divorce, I, you know, you're, I'm trying to read and trying to, you know, recover and trying to find all the things that would help. And I find all of these tomes written by women. Um, and it was written by women for women. And I was like, well, where's the book, you know, for, for guys. And so it interests me that, you know, well, this, there isn't a book or I couldn't find a book that exists. And actually Love Again, it really came out of some, I was journaling. And I was journaling and I was moving. And one of day my friend came over to help me move. And he, you know, thumbed through my journals. He was like, you should really do something with this. Like, you know, you talk a lot about, you know, what's not out there in the market. Um, maybe you should do something more with this and turn it into to a book. And I was like, well, maybe you're right. And so I did. Um, and, um, I, I did it and it won a couple of awards and it was kind of a cult kind of thing and it was great and I traveled with it and, and all the like, you know, it, that was what it was. Um, what went along with that though, if I'm honest, was some visibility that I was very uncomfortable with. Mm. I, am an, I am an introvert. Right. No. And so yes. Yeah. I am a I'm a raging introvert. And so <laughs> I only I only want people's attention when I need to have it. Um okay. I don't like the spotlight all the time. And there was this write-up in essence um about me in the book. And I I was I had people um found my address, you know, somewhere online and were writing me things and sending me pictures. And then someone, this woman, this is when it was really over. Like, okay, I'm done with this. It's like a woman, <laughs> she came from California and she showed up at the church. Um, and I was like, okay, this is enough of that. Because if I'm, whatever work I'm doing, if it makes my work vulnerable with the church or just kind of, um, impedes on it and intrusively in ways that I'm not comfortable with and I wasn't comfortable, you know, anyway. So I was like, yeah, I'm done with it. So I stopped. Like, I was like, I'm done with it. And I moved on. And then 10 years later, um, I knew the anniversary was coming up and I was like, no, I, re- I feel like I'm not finished talking or having the conversations. And then I had grown since I wrote the book. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, my story, I'm a different person. My story is different since then. And I was like, well, I would really like um, to, to open the conversation up and kind of talk a little broader about some issues. And then 
you know, the utility of a podcast was available. And so I was like, well, why don't I use that while I'm writing, you know, a follow-up and I am um, writing another book. Let me, let me, you know, talk to some people who have similar stories or very different stories. Um, and I think all of us have a love story. And I, I think that we don't talk about love publicly enough. And we don't, mm. especially as men, specifically black men, we don't talk about love. We'll talk about sports. We'll talk about sex. We'll talk about church. We don't really talk about love and that expression of ourselves that, that we need, even if we don't acknowledge. And so I wanted to have conversations with people. I wanted to meet new people and have conversations and, and understand that our humanity connects us and our stories are, are different, but in a lot of ways they are alike too and find a new community. And hopefully I find a new community, hope we find a new community with it. So that's, you know, that's how Love Again. The podcast, that's how the podcast, the that podcast. was the idea for the podcast, yeah. Okay, if you're comfortable, I would ask you at the end of this to post where people can purchase the book if it's still out, if it's digital gotcha. hard copy. Gotcha. Um, but this question here is going to tie into what you just said, and I have a follow-up question already. But like I said, we're working backwards. What's three things that you wish you would have done differently 10 years ago while writing the book or putting this work together? Um, this is what I don't know. I, I did that. I did so many things about publishing. I didn't know. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so I remember going to the publishing office, sitting down with my, uh, person who was doing my PR, sitting down with the publishers and we we're talking about strategy <laughs> and they asked me, who did I write the book for? Right. And I'm, I, I don't know anything about publishing, right? And so I, this was a very honest response, but it was, it was ignorant. They asked me, who did I write the book for? I thought for a moment and said, I wrote it for people who can read. Because <laughs> if, if you can't read, then this is not for you. Like I need to do a coloring book or something like that. If it's not, if you can't read, and then looking embarrassed, they looked embarrassed. They explained to me, no, what we mean is, who's your audience? <laughs> like, who is, who is your core audience? Or, or, or more plainly, when you talk, who, who understands your voice and your language and your experience that's, that's already built in, right? Um, I didn't know that. About, about that experience. I didn't know number two is, I put all of my energy, all of my attention, all of my resources in the words um, because I'm a writer. And so words matter to me and they mean a great deal. And so I threw all of my attention, all of my time into making sure the words were right and I'm conveying what I wanted to convey and I agonized. Writing is an excruciating um, experience for me. It's rewarding, but it, it's, it's exhausting. Um, what I didn't know was that in order to sell a book, it doesn't have to be good as much as you have to market it and you be popular, right? Yeah. 
So this is the this is the truth. I got it got nominated for by African American Literary Awards for Memoir of the Year. All right. Uh, it was in New York. So go to New York, do the red carpet, do the awards thing. I'm sitting at a table with so and so and this and that and all the people. It was a great night. Um, category comes up, read the lists of all the nominees. And uh, the winner is Flavor Flav <laughs> for Memoir of the Year. You know, the way I was disgusted and, <laughs> and, and cursed, it was, it was pretty epic because this dude can't read, but you're telling me he wrote the best African-American memoir of the year, right? So then it's not about, it's not about the words. It's not about the stories. It's not about whether it's good or not. It's about in some ways how popular you are. And there are plenty of people who are popular. They can't really sing. They can't really write. They're not really a good preacher. They're just popular. And that is what it is. That can be monetized. That could be enterprise. And when you're dealing with industries, whether it's music or whether it's publishing, if a publisher or a record executive invests money in you, they want to know can we make this money back and make more money? Well, yeah. of course you could do that with somebody like Flavor Flav, who has who been in the, yeah, I mean, yeah. been in the industry for years. He had reality television shows. And so they'll nominate him, even though he can't read, but because he'll show up and draw attention and write-ups about it. So it, it, it's a, it, I, I was naively thinking that the work would speak for itself and the sincerity of the work and it would be good and that would make it popular. But it had that had very little to do with quote unquote success and popularity of the book. And I did not know that. I was naive. So uh, I wish I would have spent um, as much dollars in marketing and selling the book and there's here's another thing there's a difference between writing a book and selling a book mm. there's a difference between making an album and selling an album right those are two different two different skill sets and yeah. if you're going to do that kind of public work and you want to put resources in it you have to be at least as good at least as good at selling it as you are recording it or writing it, and I, I didn't know that. I have a, uh, <clears throat> if you give me just two seconds, you can curse me out afterwards, but mm here's -hmm. my, when I looked at the first episode, first off, and being on the Hello Beautiful podcast with you before we started doing music and hearing your conversation, I always said, there's something about him that links me with him in terms of how he's interpreting conversation. And if you will, I'm gonna put a little spin on what my interpretation is and forgive me because I'm an overthinker of everything uh -huh. uh, of you in such spaces. And I always took your silence when there may have been someone speaking about a past relationship or past something and then your commentation on it. I was like, you know what? 
this guy's got something and he sees something and he's trying to help people. This is before I even saw an episode of Love Again. I, yeah. I just thought you were a person who like heard people out, was empathetic, and was able to almost walk them through the therapy reel and just being a concerned friend. Right? Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. I, I fast forward and I watch Love Again and I hear you having these conversations, then I start seeing like the you, the guests that you have. I'm like, this is all strategic because you said it earlier, there's something that intertwines us all in sure. terms of relationships, love, things like that. But to see it in those conversations, whether it was hidden in humor and then brought to your Love Again platform, which I now understand the essence and why it is, only makes me say bravo to you for everything that you've done from writing the book to um, the nominations, even if Flavor Flav... Man. Man. Oof. I always, I always said about you and looking at love again. I'm like, nah, there's there's something else here that this guy is tapping into on a a, a different level, and it only comes from a place. I, sometimes, like I say, I'm an overthinker. Sometimes I try to put the therapy hat on myself, and uh, you can't tell me I don't have a PhD in psychology <laughs> stuff like that. I don't, but I can I, I can read people really well, and. Hearing you speak and then watching the episodes, I'm like, okay, no, there's something else there, and it's coming from a place of I'm trying to help. I'm not trying to put you out there to expose you, but I want you to understand. Hey, we've been in some some similar instance of I've had a love, I've lost the love. I'm trying to repair myself from that love, and now move on. And hearing you talk was one of the things I'm like very interested in. Oh, well, how did that get started? Now that I know, mm-hmm. and you told me about the three things that you wish you had, wish you had done differently. My question to you, the introvert, is how did you end up as a pastor of all, mm-hmm. like because the, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. the least introverted job you can stumble into. Yeah. Um, first of all, I, I think with that, that dynamic, right, that it's not a, being an introvert is not necessarily a drawback in the job of the pastorate. No. Um, number one, I, it, it can be a, a useful tool to me um, to foster healthy relationships and not codependent relationships um, on the church. And so that's, that's, that's one dynamic to it. The other dynamic to it is um, herein lies the grace of God, right? That I am dependent. I don't have my hammer. I don't have my hammer on me. Don't, don't you right. I know, I right. <laughs> right. This is how... <laughs> This is how we know that callings must come with grace um, in order to do it, um, because I don't have that in myself. In order for me to do it, I have to be equipped with a certain grace to do it, to which I am very dependent upon 
that grace in order for me to do it. And it has allowed me to do it. And I think it's healthy in some way. I see it as healthy because what happens is, is that I play a role in the church and it helps me not to foster toxic codependent relationships as if these people are my whole world they're all they're my people number one that's what i think that's you know a red flag when pastors refer to these are these are my people this is my church and your whole identity is you know revolves around them and their affirmation of you and their applauding of you um, and what you do. I think being an introvert forces me to develop a person that is independent of that affirmation. So when I don't have it, I don't crash my, myself into a wall because they're, they don't like me this week or they didn't respond to me in such a way. And so I don't, I don't live off of it. And I think being an introvert has given me some healthy distance um, from totally involving myself in, in, in their space and being inappropriate in some ways. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean sinful. It could just mean that the relationship may be too intimate in order for it to function healthy in a healthy way. And I think in my critique to some of my colleagues is that when you don't have a life or the life that you have you don't like, um, the church becomes everything to you and it becomes a crutch. And so if there's a global pandemic and you can't get to them and you don't know how to function or you need to get to them so bad in the midst of global pandemic, you will put their life in jeopardy and your life in jeopardy because you have to be at church. So, so no Movados for you. Yeah, yeah. No, you know what? <laughs> hey, and I ain't even know Sam's Club had Movados. I was like, y'all just yelling just going, and nobody told me nothing. Like I could have been human models. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, I don't. I, I'm good. I can buy my own. I'm good. I'm good. I got it. I I I I got it. And that doesn't mean that our relationship is not close. I have been with these people. I have married, buried, we've cried together, we prayed together, we've been through transitions together. And I don't, I think that if we had, if I had been another person and we hadn't developed the strong relationship that we have, I think during the pandemic, like we saw a lot, a lot of churches closed because if they can't, if they can't get together and if they don't, if they can't touch each other and be in the same room, then they don't have community. And so, and so my introvertedness to me has been a healthy tool. Okay. Question number two, going back to the beginning of this whole thing from Love Again. <clears throat> you told me three things you wish you knew that you didn't. Now I want you to give me four things that people might not know about you that help bring, see the divorce thing is something if people don't know you, they wouldn't know. So I can't let you use that 
being a pastor, you just said, so I can't let you use that as well. So I'm taking two of those off the board from you. Okay. But four things that people might not know about the author slash host of Love Again. Okay. So let me get right. Let me let me let me let me pause right there because I want to go back to something you said earlier. I I created the Love Again podcast. I'm I wasn't as intentional or cunning to think that I am going to help um, someone, the person that I am talking to, or the audience. I genuinely was interested in people's love story and how they lost and how they recovered. And they were, they've helped me more, I think, than I've ever said anything to them or anybody listening. I am genuinely curious about the human soul and our psyche and our spirits. And it amazes me how we can be shattered sometimes and and yet recover, put ourselves back together or allow God to put us back together and then still want love, need love and, and, and need it, need to give it as much as we need to receive it. And so I am curious about other people's language, how they think, what is their philosophy about all of those things because they teach me something. And so Ooh. I didn't think like, well, I'm gonna put this together. It's not a therapy. It ain't, I'm, I'm not, you know, what Kevin Samuels, <laughs> I am not trying to give critiques of, I'm not giving dating advice. I am not giving two steps and five steps for this. Like this, it's not that. It is just, it is just connecting with people and talking about love publicly and letting that conversation do in me and do in us and doing people listening what love needs to do for us and us. That's that was it. Um, and so I can I, I, can I interrupt you right quick and say, mm-hmm. even though that may not have been your intention and you were in in essence learning and gleaming from these individuals, I can tell you from an overthinker's (laughs) seat who's watched and listened, yeah, you might have thought it was, oh, these people are helping me. This is great. We're having conversation. But in just your compassion and your response to the individuals, whether they acknowledge it or not, you can hear it in the episodes like even though it's not phrased in that direction from you it it wasn't your uh intent so to speak you can Mm -hmm. hear that in your conversation you're helping them and it's you you may not want to see it that way and i'm sorry if i'm pointing out to you this way but it is what it is you are genuinely helping them and Mm -hmm. from a listener standpoint um they might not get it from the conversation. They might, it might take some time, but the conversation that you're having with them about love, I'm looking at it saying, this is good. 
not only for that for you who's saying he's getting help from them and having the conversation but it's reciprocated on the other end with you talking to them yeah. i'm just here to give you your flowers sir and no, you don't I, have I to appreciate take it, it. But no, I'm no, no, no. It no 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 i i i i do appreciate that i i do and i re- i receive all of that and i and i'm glad it it helps i am just saying my intentionality about it right. um wasn't the scope of trying you know like setting myself as up some some guru it was just i am just genuinely interested in how people love and maybe for single people or you know d- divorced people or widowed people um you know how do you experience that now and 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 how are you thinking about that and and i think it just adds to our canon and and and, and expands us in ways if for nothing else to know that you aren't alone in your feeling of loss, your loss may be specific, but loss itself is not. We are all experiencing that on some level or another. And so that, that, was, that was my intention. And if it helps um, them or whoever's listening as much as it helped me, then that's great. And I'm, I'm all for it. Like, you know, I'm that's, that's awesome. For- the episode where you talk to the real nigga and he tells you yeah. about Sequisha who hurt his heart right. and turned him right. into a hole. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I can, and I can identify with that too. I can, I, 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 I've been there. That's a chapter in the book. Like I totally, totally get that too. But and, and he's not alone. And you can, you know, that's a phase, and you'll be all right. You come out of that, and so. um so yeah, that I just you know just wanted let you know I wasn't wasn't intentional you know trying to you know there's a enough you know Farrah Gray's and Kevin Samuels and and everybody else doing podcasts and setting themselves up as an expert. No, I, I came to learn, um, and it's been a great space for me to do that, and I'm glad that I I uh, did it, and I'm glad that it, it I waited or it came in this time in my life because I feel like I am much more of a whole person than I ever have been in my life. Um, And so I can bring that to the conversation and I couldn't have done that 10 years ago. I couldn't have done that five years ago. Um, And so I think the timing that was just good. But four things, you say you want four things about me that most people don't know. I have an aversion to loud, sudden noises. Okay. Yeah, that's one. No fireworks? Yeah, I don't. I don't do that well. I don't. (laughs) It's unnerving a little bit. It's not debilitating, uh, but it's it's just really nerve-wracking, and I I don't like it. Um, I don't like... um, uh, I don't... I don't like the the sound of a phone ringing. <laughs> my phone is yeah, my phone is usually on vibrate um, because I think just phone ringings, and even if it's somebody I want to talk to, just the phone ringing itself seems intrusive uh, and abrupt <laughs> to me. <laughs> no, no, it's a, no, it's a thing, uh, and and so that I I love to cook, right. Um, that's the third thing. Um, and I, 
my family are great cooks. My my grandparents, my parents um, were, were great cooks. And it's very communal to me. And it, it's probably one of my love languages. Um, you and cook or food in general? Me, me cooking. Yeah. Okay. Me, me cooking. Um, I was a kid um, nosing around in the in the, the kitchen smelling, you know, wonderful things and wanting to know what are you doing and what are you putting in the pot and um, why are you doing that and why are you cutting this and can I help cut this? And I was that kind of kid. And so um, there are, here's a, a tradition that I have. Every February 2nd, I make pancakes. Um, and it is because when I was a kid, my grandmother, who I love dearly, and she loved me dearly, and she's passed away. Um, she used to make me pancakes, but she didn't, she used to make them from scratch, right? She got the flour, she got the, you know, vanilla extract and the sugar and the milk and the eggs and butter and like buttermilk and like all of these things. And she did it from scratch. Um, and like the whole house would be filled with this wonderful smell. Like it was just amazing. They were so good. And so when I got older, probably in my twenties, maybe in my thirties, um, I asked her for the recipe. And so she wrote it down for me. Um, by the time I'm 37, 38, she, she passed away. She passed away at 92. And, um, I knew I had the recipe after, you know, we funeralized her and everything. I knew I had the recipe, but I couldn't find it. I could not find the recipe. Um, and so one night, and I don't know how people have very theories about dreams and people coming to you in a dream, but here was my dream. She came to me in a dream and she told me the recipe and I woke up and I immediately wrote it down. And, and so I have it locked in my phone. Um, and her birthday is, is on February 2nd. So once a year, and I do this when I want pancakes and I can, but on February 2nd, I am, uh, I'm gonna make pancakes and that's, 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 that's me and her time, right? And then my whole house smells like her house when I was five years old. And um, it's one of the way I, I still love her and remember her and kind of commune um with her so i'm gonna take you out of your serious stance for two seconds and ask you hmm. has grandma's recipe ever been used for evil no all my powers are used for good <laughs> That's if, you, if, if, if it was if it was if it, if it was meant for evil it turned out good do you hear me <laughs> 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 so no 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 we can't we don't use our power for evil anymore and uh, we don't want to be no. <laughs> no 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 that's and that's my that's my final answer on Noises, you don't like yeah. what about alarms? So do you have an alarm on your phone? I have an alarm on my phone. 
I, 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 I really, I usually use Alexa for the most part. Okay. I only use the alarm on my phone, like if I'm cooking and I'm timing something and I need that alarm, let me know it's time to, you know, do something else. But, uh, but yeah, for the most part, I, you know, I love peace and, and quiet and, you know, kind of, you know, it's kind of atmosphere I love, I love to live in, you know, and, and so loud, intrusive noises, like, you know, you know, what's, what's that, what's going on? So I try to keep those to a minimum in my life. Can I just tell you, uh-huh. that story is now taking me back. I'm uh-huh. sorry, sir, you're viral for this next uh, <laughs> moment, but uh-huh. your story right now is just taking me back to the level of concern and fear you must have had that Sunday morning mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. you were in worship mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. mystical shake it yeah. came on so yeah. I, I'm a visual person so mm-hmm. knowing that story and hearing what you just said the complete shot that must have went through you mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. that specific moment when the songs change, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I under like you, you in the moment you laughed at yourself. But Did. what was the initial? <laughs> what well, was the initial, like, and trying to cut the song because you had about a good five seconds left. That's all I had. That's all I had. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was just. It was gonna go really. It was gonna go could have been really bad. Um, <laughs> So here's the backstory. So um, I was playing Myron Butler and uh, Levites, their their arrangement of Give Us This Day, which is our prayer response, uh, has been since we started the church. Every Sunday we sing Give Us This Day. Um, and so I was I was playing it. But what I did was I had typed it into the search bar on iTunes, in my iTunes library, because I had it. So it's the only song that I see in my, because it's the only version that I have in my whole library. So I was, my thought was, oh, I don't have to fade it out or I don't have to stop anything because it's the only song, it's the only song there. It's the only song I'm seeing, like I'm looking at it. It's the only song that I'm saying. So, I, you know, it's fine, it's good. So I, and, and so I was really relaxed after it faded it out I just kind of, you know, pulled back and I was going on and, and started talking. And so then I hear this. <laughs> I'm just like, wait a minute, because I'm looking at my screen like it's not up here. Why is it? Why is it playing? And so I, I was like, oh, I know what that is. I have to I have to do something really quick because he comes in hot with that. He comes in hot on that. <laughs> like, let me let me do something. I don't know why I didn't turn the volume down on it from, uh, I was, I was scrambling. Like I was, I was, I didn't know what to do. So I just, I just, I, I stopped it and I was so tickled and I was tickled because what you couldn't see was the younger members of my church were on, this was a live stream, right? We're live streaming our Sunday morning service. So the younger members of our church start putting dollar signs in the, in, in the, in the stream. And was like, Pastor, what kind of kind of service we have in the day? And like, like they was, they just kept going. And so they're doing that. And it tickles me 
But then, like my mother and their older people on the line who didn't know what happened, like they don't know, <laughs> they don't know the song, so they don't, they didn't know what happened, and it just took me, it took me a minute to get myself together because that was the absolute funniest thing to me, um, and it took me. It took me about a month for somebody to explain to me what had happened because I still didn't know what had happened. And they explained to me that Myron Butler, mystical, it, it kept going to the next artist. So <laughs> MYR, Myron, oh, MYS, man. mystical. I was like, oh, that is what happened. I was like, it's like, told me nothing. I promise you, that was a mystery to me how. How that all came about, but that was that was absolutely hilarious. That was so for, that was so great. for somebody like me. I when I find a funny video, I'll play it back three and four times, and I'll pick out something new about the video that makes me laugh more. I do it with mm -hmm. movies and TV shows. If I've seen it a million times, I can pick something new out and be like, "This makes it even funnier." Mm -hmm. But my initial watch of the video from you like embracing the Myron Butler song mm -hmm. to the complete terror and trying to stop before mm -hmm. mystical goes completely off mm -hmm. was just the best thing in the world to me because <laughs> it's like you tried to stay like wait whoa wait what's what's that what, what, what's happening yeah yeah it was <laughs> <laughs> when was, I tell you, yeah, yeah, no, 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 <laughs> I genuinely did not know what. Like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, what is, what is happening right now, Patrick? <laughs> Listen, like, if I was mm -mm, in your church, mm -mm, mm -mm. I would have been waiting for that mystical. I would have been waiting. <laughs> For that mystical part to come on, because the, the older people in the church when they were heard that intro, <laughs> my God, today, yeah, no, that was uh, that that was. Look, you can't make stuff like that up. Either it happens or or it doesn't happen. It's really weird, though. It was weird. It was because two sensations that I felt after I shared it with Victor. Cause I knew he would, he would think it was hilarious. And he was like, can I share it with my friend? I was like, yeah, that's fine. It was on his live stream. It was out there. It was just, you know, on our stream nobody knew about it. And I think, you know, I was, I was in class and, and then it was shared. And then I was in class and then I, my phone was on do not disturb. And then I turned my phone back on, like all of these alerts start going on. Or whatever and I was like oh they shared it oh that's hilarious that's great and then a few people have shared it but I I found myself checking it right I found myself checking how many views it got and I didn't like that about myself I didn't like that piece of me that was curious about what about people were yeah the views and what they were saying and whether they you know, liked it or thought it was funny or whether they thought it was staged or whatever. I was like, I don't like this about, I don't like that, uh, that impulse about myself. So I just stopped like after a day or two, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that because that seems, seems very arresting 
to your psyche to whatever affirmation or vulnerability to criticism that you let people have over you. I was like, I don't like how that feels and I'm not doing that. I'm not playing that game. So whatever yeah. it is, it, 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 it is what it is. And then the second thing was like, I've been preaching for over 20 years. I've been pastoring for 17 years now. And the thing that <laughs> um, went viral is nothing that I said, nothing, the work that we've been doing at the church, nothing yeah. I ever preached. It was like this one, this one accident moment. I was like, this is, well, this is really reductive to, <laughs> which is why I had to pull, I had to pull away, right? Because then you get, you get angry. It was like, well, y'all ain't been paying attention to nothing else. Y'all don't pay attention to this. I get it. It's funny, but I'm not a joke in my work. And so, you know, it was a really weird two or three days. And so I just had to remove myself from that. And it's fine. It's hilarious. And people, you know, run up on me and they, they want to talk about it. And it's great. It, it was hilarious. It's still hilarious. But I was like, when I have friends, and I've had this conversation with friends who are public, I was like, well, if you're, if you're going to receive their, credit, their, their affirmation, then you're going to have to also take their criticism. Yeah. And if you're going to live by their affirmation, then you're going to die by their criticism. And the way to get out of that equation is to don't play that game. Do, do your work. And if they like it, that's great. And if they don't, it got to be great, too. And you keep moving. Um, to your point, right quick. Mm -hmm. last, the last episode I did with uh, George and Ty Lizzle, we spoke about uh, the why and the, like, what keeps us doing our podcast. And to your point, I had mentioned that I don't ever do it for listeners. That was never my thing. And... Mm -hmm. Like you said, if I get caught up in, oh, well, this episode only got X amount of listens, and this episode, yeah, got, right. like, it, it'll deplete you and make you feel like, okay, well, then just don't do it anymore because you really right. don't have an audience. Mm -hmm. um, my thing was, I told them my thing for why I keep doing it is because in the Kobe Bryant Mamba way, and I know you just love you some Kobe sarcasm all in that. Um, it was my non-negotiable thing to myself was I said I wanted to do a podcast and hey, just keep going. I did a pilot not knowing if anybody would listen. Uh -huh. Put the pilot out and saw that people were listening and I was like, well, I, I guess I probably should come back for a second week. But I could have easily stopped when my co-host at the time was like, you know what? Yeah, this isn't really for me anymore. And we were mm -hmm. over the halfway point to 100 at this point. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, if I'm going to be invested in the listeners or, or, or co-hosts, because even at that little segue where I was trying to find what to do next, I could have easily fallen into, a, oh, well, it's not the same they had chemistry, uh, who wants to listen to him and other people, blah, 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 blah. But I honestly have developed over the years such a thick skin. Sometimes I do find myself like, and I'll, I'll withdraw from it real quick. Like I'll post something on any of the social medias. And if I feel like, 
it doesn't get the likes or it doesn't get the retweets or it doesn't get the, the comments that it's like, oh, well, oh. then it might not have been funny. No, it was funny to me or it was uh-huh. impactful to me. So I'm putting uh-huh. it out. And uh-huh. to your point of not being caught up in the, or, or living for the compliments and dying at the critique, that's uh-huh. one of the things like I, I'm my hardest critic but I'm also the person that's going to joke on myself first. I'm the one that's very self-aware of uh, flaws, achievements, accomplishments. But before you get the opportunity to say a negative thing about me, I've already gone through this Dr. Strange gamut because I'll never look for the accolades. I always mm-hmm. point out what the negative thing might be mm-hmm. when I have an idea of something. Um, when I have an idea, a business idea or something, I'll shoot down everything that could go wrong. And that's only to make it better. So like I'll say, like if it's an app, okay, well, what's the competition doing? What's, um, what will be the roadblocks for developers? What will be the roadblocks for the user? I will tear, literally tear down uh, the, the negative stuff myself. So that way mm-hmm. when I pass it off, or present a finished product, it's gone through, in my mind, what I think is the dreaded red pen, right? When you have an English uh, English professor that uses a red pen and they just mark up your whole paper, do it again. So by the time you get the finished thing from me, it's already had a red pen taken to it. And even if you have uh, some critique, it's not hurtful to me because I've already done it myself. I've already gone through the, oh, well, that's stupid. That wording is dumb. Me writing a book would take me forever because that my process would literally be reading it, breaking it down. Nope, this got to go. <laughs> reading it, breaking it down. Nope, this got to go. But to your point, that's like one of the things that I pat myself on the back for is not needing or feeling like I I need that affirmation from others. Yeah, and I mean it's not it's not that we don't need it, right? Let me let me let's re, let me rephrase it. Um we all need affirmation. God needed affirmation and so when he created something he looked at it and said this is good. Like he affirmed himself. Uh, yeah, so I mean, affirmation <laughs> and the pausing to look at your work and what you've done and be satisfied with it is is good. But I think what God teaches us there is that if you don't do it for yourself first, then you're going to live off somebody else doing it for you. Yeah, and that is where you get it get stuck sometimes. If I think it's okay and I'm okay with it, and I did the best I could, I I have to be good with that. And so if you like it, that's great. And it's really funny, right? Because there are sometimes as a a pastor, I've come to church really excited about what I'm going to talk about. And I come out with all my ideas and language and all that rhetoric and all like, and they looked at me like I was crazy. Versus sometimes I've gone and I was like, yeah, this is going to suck. Like, I, I don't really <laughs> have this together. Like, this is like I'm wasting their time this morning, but I'm going to do what I need to do. And it is the most mind-blowing thing for them. And they 
they love and we're excited about it. We're inspired by it. And I, I, I come back like, that's that's nuts. I mean, really, <laughs> like, I, like it wasn't really my, <laughs> wasn't really, I wasn't really at my best, but you all seem to like it. And so it just, it taught me like, okay, I can't live by their applause or their non-applause. I am the one who have to do the work for it. And there's so many people that, you know, in the culture we live in, the utility of social medias and views and likes and shares and all the like, that totally get their affirmation, their, their identity off somebody. I, I, I've, I've listened to people who said, well, I posted a picture and ain't too many people like it, so I'm going to take it down. I'm like, okay, I guess that's your choice to take it down, but is that why you put it up? Um, and if you put it up just for the likes and not because you wanted to share, you had something to share, then I think that that leaves the whole experience a little hollow um, and empty. And so I try not to, I, 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 again, I think the lesson is for me that I learned because when you lose an award to Flavor Flay, <laughs> and it's not, it's not a rapping award, it's a, it's a literary award. You have to be able to go within yourself and be like, okay, <laughs> I know I can write and I know what I do. What I do is, is good, whether somebody likes it or gives me an award for it or not. Now that night I died a little bit. <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> I sure did. And you lose a literary award to someone who can't talk complete sentences and conjugate verbs and things like that, that will that will hit your self-esteem like in the gut like you, you I took an L that night I did I took a, I took a huge L <laughs> but I'm like okay I'm not gonna let this define me this was this game was rigged anyway so this is what it was and okay and so to then like it, it taught me again like yeah you can't live off that you have to write the book and let it be the best art and share it in the world. And you have to be intentional about sharing it. That's marketing. But you don't have to, to evaluate the value of it based off people's applause for it. Yeah. That's, that's my thing. I'm gonna, uh, I got one last question that takes us back to the beginning. Like I said, uh, very masterfully done, sir. Thank you for coming up here. Next time we'll have a little bit more laughter and jokes. But I've enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I hope. And you know did. what this means, right? You, this means mean? this means you have to come on love again. That fine by me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Completely mm -hmm. fine by me. You get. We're gonna get that time. done. Yep. We're gonna get it done so, soon. Last question I have for you, and then, mm -hmm. like I said, going back. Question, questions you would ask Mr. Purple Rain himself mm. on a podcast for Love Again. <laughs> oh, I have theories, right? I and I've I have been able to look at his life and, and process his death in a way in which I see a pattern for him. Um, <clears throat> he, he, he does 
you know, maybe in some ways, small ways, rescue that part of him that would not allow somebody to be in that intimate space with him and to push back against him, kicking everybody out. Um, and that's probably, that might be motivated by the fact that Revolution was my favorite band and I really wanted to stay together because I wanted to do my music, but <laughs> it could be that. Uh, it, it could be that. But those are some of the things that, that I would want to talk to him about the music. You know, I really want to know, like, what was in your head when you were making, you know, Purple Rain and talk to him about his faith, you know, um, talk to him about, he wrote these beautiful poetry about women and their body and love. And I think Adore is one of the greatest love songs ever um, because it expresses sentiments that ultimately can't be expressed. I would really want to talk to him about those things um, and that genius. So yeah, that's, that's some of the stuff I'd like to pick his brain about. Um, you know that question of uh, would you do 5,000? Uh, no, you posted a trillion dollars or a dinner with Jesus. Yeah, that took me yeah. Out when I was <laughs> right. What's your answer? Did you answer? Did you answer? Um, listen, <laughs> that, my 10%. <laughs> <laughs> Right, your offering to the Lord, your sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, 10%. Right, I get it. And that's that's only because, like me now, I I look at the Bible. I'm a sarcastic person by nature, so uh -huh. I look at a lot of the Bible stories with a flare of sarcasm, and I just know like. If I ever had that chance, I would ask, like, from a sarcastic standpoint, not like what it truly meant. Like, you can't tell me there wasn't sass when Mary came to him and said, hey, the party's running out of wine. Woman, it ain't my time. Like, mm -hmm. go mm -hmm. somewhere. Mm -hmm. You can't tell me there's no sass in that. You can't tell me right. there wasn't some bleep words when he was in the temple throwing tables. You just can't tell me, like, he wasn't right. out there. Right. Like Tony Soprano when he gets angry. But yeah, my 10% right. would be my answer. Gotcha. I know. Render unto the Lord. What should we render to the Listen. Lord for all of his benefits to me? I will offer up <laughs> sacrifices. So I'm gonna give you this, give you this offer. And it's Listen. gonna have to be okay. No, I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> I, I give you 10%, I give you a first fruit, whatever you want, whatever you want from me. 10%, 10 then some. I'm going to give you the tithe and an offering. That's what I'm going to give you. Listen. Yeah, so I'm, I'm with you. I, 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 I lean toward that too. Yeah, I, I, I could commune with you any day. <laughs> yeah, ain't ain't going to take much. Uh, exactly. Exactly. I want to speak to you. Exactly. 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 But, uh, sir, I've enjoyed this conversation. I hope you have as well. Uh, as customary, I do need 
a show or movie from you before you depart? A show or movie? Um, <laughs> there's so many. Uh, you know what, man? I uh, I'm I'm one of those black people who loved Mash. I wish more black people would love Mash the way I do, but y'all don't give it a chance. They don't give it a chance because of the open opening guitar uh, melody of it, you know. And I I know it came on when we was going to sleep, but I'm like yeah, one Mash of those. Is bedtime. Mash yeah, is but bedtime. I I stayed up to watch it and. It is deeply heartfelt. It is so sarcastic. Where I get most of my my sarcastic banter from is so sardonic and wonderfully written. And it's one of my enduring, during, I go to bed at night. Either I'm I'm watching MASH or Frasier, one of the well, MASH does put you to sleep. That's what, it, that's what the point Or the West Wing. <laughs> Right. Okay. See, see, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's that's it. We gotta we gotta change that narrative. It's not um, movie. Gosh, so many movies. Um, the a, a movie like I can watch anytime it comes on. I'm gonna stop and watch it. Is like the Shawshank Redemption. Um. I just think it's one of the, it's a masterpiece. Um, Shawshank Redemption. Have you ever seen it? I have. Um, and okay. my my wife um, gets on me all the time because part of my interaction, human interaction, uh, I'll randomly quote movies, TV shows, mm-hmm. or song lyrics. Absolutely. And uh, we have this ongoing thing. Uh, my wife and I. Every time she's cleaning, she'll say, yeah, well, I think I'm going to clean out the closet. And I'll break out into Eminem's cleaning out my closet on command. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So much so that mm-hmm. now she she walks out of the room immediately because I'll just look at her and I'll go, I'm sorry, mama. And she goes, no, I'm not doing this with you. <laughs> but I, 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 I've watched my share of movies and TV shows and uh there probably isn't something that you can name that I haven't seen. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. a good thing, but mm-hmm. um, I started doing this when we when we first uh, did the pilot because I, I was gonna do. Uh, I was listening to Joe Budden's podcast and they do sleeper picks and it was music, mm-hmm. and I was trying to copy that and be like, "Oh well, yeah, let me do music." I'm like, "There's no way I'm gonna be able to give songs that nobody's ever heard." So it started mm-hmm. out as an idea of giving people something to watch that they may not have watched. So mm-hmm. for 160 something episodes, every ending, myself and the guests gives a show a movie because people might not have seen certain mm-hmm. things or there's certain TV that's out that people might not be aware of or certain mm-hmm. stuff on streaming devices that people not, may not be aware of. And mm-hmm. with that said, Yes, I've seen Shawshank. Um, I make jokes about MASH, but I, ha- I haven't watched the full season, but I've seen MASH. Um, Frasier is a show that, as an older person, I would have to go back and look at because when I was younger, it was Seinfeld and Friends. And Frasier just fell like in that outlier uh, group for me. And I was like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to get Frasier. Mind you, I've I, no, no, I no. Saw tears. 
all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I have yeah, to yeah, go yeah. back and give no, it a, no. a better I, look. I, I'll give you this, and uh, I think you should you should watch the pilot of Frasier. It's 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 on Hulu, so I mean it, it's it's out there. But I had never seen Frasier before, and I write the, about this in the book, actually. Um, I'd never seen Frasier before. I didn't know Frasier was had a show. I didn't know they enjoyed a show. But one night after my divorce, I was sitting at home on the floor with some, I find an ice cream, turn on the TV, and it was Frasier. So I started watching it. And in the pilot, at the end of it, like he's a therapist and he has a call-in show. This woman calls in and she's crying. And um, she's she's crying and she says, um, I broke up with my boyfriend nine months ago and I keep crying about it and I can't get over it, right? And he's listening to her. And then when she finishes, he, she says, he says to her, you're not mourning the loss of your boyfriend. You're mourning the loss of what you thought your life would be like. Mm. He says, let it go. It doesn't always work out the way we want it to work out but it can work out anyway. And I burst out in tears. Like it kind of like pinpointed like what I, I couldn't express or what I was feeling. I was like, oh, that was that. Like I didn't have a plan B. Like I thought my mm. life was gonna be different. It wasn't about her, it was about, I thought my life would be different and I didn't plan for this. And, and so Frasier is good for all of that kind. It's funny, it's hilarious. But there's some really, really good writing in it. And I think you would love it. And I recommend it to everybody. It's a great, great show. So I'm going to go back and rewatch Frasier. Um, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm gonna go back and rewatch Frasier, season one, episode one. My show, before we cut out, if you have <laughs> access to Apple TV, is a show <laughs> called Blackbird. Blackbird, okay. Blackbird. Okay. And and sh short, because I don't want to give away everything. The premise of Blackbird, there's this gentleman who's in jail. And in order to basically get out without having to do his time, they mm -hmm. present to him this opportunity to get some information from a killer who's in jail. Mm -hmm. And that's all I'm going to give you. But his time in jail is predicated on getting this information so that way he can get out but that's all i'm going to give you because if i say any more it'll okay. give away too much of the plot it's only okay. six episodes it's a mini series on apple tv and okay. i think you would like that just like you told me i would like frazier uh i think you're gonna like blackbird i'm going to check it out then just because you said so i will give you the, the report and you let me know how you like Frazier. <laughs> I, I will. I will. I will. Sir, I do thank you for coming up here and having this conversation, sharing some laughs, sharing some great um, just intellectual conversation and giving me an insight into love again because I didn't know how else to ask you without sounding like a creep and being like, hey, so. Yeah, I get it. No. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate so, it. No, no, thank you. You know what? Um, you and I met by happenstance because of one of our mutual friends um, yes. who I'm very fond of. And I appreciate that we both have the capacity to make new friends. 
um, yeah. and connect with people. And I appreciate our connection. I am a fan and a big supporter of what you do. Thank you for inviting me uh, to come on. Um, thank you for having the conversation that you have. I've listened to your podcast. I was like, gosh, he's good. This is really, this is really, really good. This is really, really good stuff. So I, 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 appreciate, I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate you. So thank you for that. No, thank you. Um, I, what, part of the, for me, um, I want to call it hesitancy and, and bringing you up. Um, even when we did uh, the music and the shows with uh, Tal and George and everybody, was that I, I'm like, oh, well, I met him through George. If I asked him, he's like, nigga, <laughs> no, I'm busy. I got way too much stuff, but I appreciate you for taking the time out to come up here, have these conversations. I appreciate your support. Um, please let us know where we can buy that Love Again book, if it's still available, um, digital or hard copy. It, it is It is available digitally. Um, okay. You'll be you can you you'd have to search to find some hard copies um, out there. The the publishing company has since gone out of business, and so there are no new copies. Um, although now I fully have the IP for it, so I'm going to do some something else and republish it and do something. But it's on Kindle. You can get it on Kindle. You can get it um, um, on iBooks. It's there on iBooks. And there may be some copies on Amazon um, or on maybe Overstock or maybe on eBay or something like that. But yeah, you can find yeah, it there. I Love got, Again, Spiritual Memoir. I got people um, in book clubs that, um, Jess, I know you're listening to this and you love this part of the show where we do show suggestions. But take this to your book club, Love Again, Spiritual Memoir. Everybody that's listening, please go out. If you haven't read it, please go read it. If you read it, please go back and reread it because you may find something that you uh, glanced over the first time. Uh, every Saturday, Love Again Pod, it is live on YouTube. Um, Patrick Schaefer's. Yeah. Dad. He's one of those guys, you find something. I find it comical that you tag yourself in every post that you write to yourself on Facebook. I think that's very interesting, but. <laughs> well, no, but it's not, it's a simple, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a simple reason for that is that my initial page got full. And so I did another page, which has been a great backup page for when Facebook acts crazy. And so I tag it so I don't have to rewrite it. Oh. Yeah, that's it. I just tag the other page so I don't have to do the same post twice. I just tag it and then just in the button. So no, it's just of necessity. It's not. <laughs> no, I, I think some kind of way about people who make a post and then like their own post. Now that is what like I noticed. Like, why do you all do that? But you know, that's it. But I, I wanted. I, I thought it was interesting uh, and. I don't care what your answer was. I'm going to still think of it as you. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly what I do. But no. <laughs> uh, thank you again, guys, sir. Um, that's all I got. Post and juice is ready. Weekend is upon us. Labor Day is over. 
the queen, uh, came and got the queen, and y'all have been mm. acting up all week. So get your uh, excuses yeah. ready. Say you're part of the royal family and you're grieving. So, mm. you know, whatever you need to do to get out of work. Uh, <laughs> thank you for coming up. Uh, dude, I appreciate it, man. You let me know love again. Absolutely. We're going to get that done in the next month or so. You, you all have a good one, and I'll have one. All right.